This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Stu does America. Blazetv.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. You'll save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll save all the bucks because it's free. But you can like this video right now. It always helps. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notification. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Paul Bryan is here with the latest cars talk that I know you crave. Fast cars. This is America, right? We've got to talk fast cars every once in a while. We've got a whole slew of stories for you that prove everything is racist. But we start by doing the social media dystopia. Welcome to it. You already live there. And that's the end of the monologue. No, it's true. We're basically in this social media dystopia. And today I want to talk about it and how it's affecting us and how it's affecting our kids, our families, and why we live in a dystopia as is. Um, You may have read about Livy Dunn. She's a gymnast that has, I guess, a lot of subscribers on TikTok or some social social media program brought to us by the Chinese government. I, I don't I don't know. Somewhere around there. And uh, she is a gymnast, and she has a bunch of fans online. Many of them seem to be college-aged boys. Just strange. I don't know why. But apparently, uh, the 20-some-odd-year-old girl showing up in a skimpy outfit at a gymnast uh, meet was apparently something uh, that got a wide attendance because of her large following. And they disrupted the meet. They decided to cheer and, you know, say that we want Livy instead of the gymnasts that were up there. Became a big thing. Everyone was calling them creepy. Uh, And, you know, it is weird. It's changing the way that we are existing in our real lives as well. It's not just online. And we are now starting to see growing pieces of scientific data that are showing that this change that we all decided to jump right into Maybe not the best thing in the world for everyone. You know, it's funny. We went from not having smartphones to having them and basically turning a third of our lives over to them, about eight hours a day in a lot of cases, and some of this data shows. And it's like, did we have a conversation about that? Was that thought out? Did When we decided, hey, everything we watch and everything we consume and everything that we do is going to be on our phone and we're going to be on it, I don't know, let's say all the time. Is that something that we really went through a full discussion? Are we aware of what that leads to? Well, we're starting to see. Uh, this is from the New York Times. Social media use is linked to brain changes in teens. This is according to new research. Teens who frequently checked social media showed an increasing sensitivity to peer feedback, although the cause of the changes was not clear. The researchers found that children who habitually checked their social media feeds at around age 12 showed a distinct trajectory with their sensitivity to social rewards from peers heightening over time. Teenagers with less engagement in social media followed the opposite path with a declining interest in social rewards. And if you think about you know, your days maybe back in high school or whatever, what are the things that you were supposed to fight against? And it's always hard, right? You're supposed to fight against peer pressure. Right. People around you are doing something. Maybe that thing is kind of dumb. Maybe that thing's kind of dangerous. Maybe that thing's kind of erratic. You're supposed to have the intestinal fortitude to step up and say, wait a minute, you know, jumping off that cliff over there into a rock pit is maybe not a good idea. And I'm not going to do it. 
right? That's what we encourage in our kids. We want our kids to come up with that sort of spine to be able to think for themselves and not worry about the approval of all of their friends. Well, social media takes that aspect of peer pressure and magnifies it to God only knows what length. Uh, this is uh, they, this is one of the uh, scientists talking about this here from the University of North Carolina. Teens who habitually checking their social media are showing these pretty dramatic changes in the way their brains are responding, which could potentially have long-term consequences well into adulthood, sort of setting the stage for brain development over time. So what kind of changes are we talking about? Because I can tell you this, just as a person without scientific data, this all seems like a really bad idea. You see the way people react on social media, how they react to social media. You might even recognize it in yourself. You might even recognize it in someone close to you, an adult that you love. I mean, do you know any adults who handle social media well? Do you know any adults who do it right to the point where they actually get a benefit in their life out of it? I don't know. I don't know many. And I will say, you know, the less you use it, it seems like the more sane you are. That's just something that uh, seems... It's, that's not data. That's just a dumb observation from your idiotic host here. But let's look at what the data actually says. We have a little edition of Chartapalooza here. Conservators unite. How much is social media to blame for teens declining mental health? Hmm, I don't know. Let's see if we can just see if we can... It's going to be hard. We're going to need a magnifying glass. Let's see if we can find this in the data. First of all, high school students and their depression. Um, are they sad or hopeless? Well, you see it kind of increasing around, let's say, 2009, 2010, and then skyrocketing over the past five years or so. Suicidal thoughts. You see that one rising around 2009, 2010, and going up and up and up all the way until today. How about really serious consequences? Emergency room admissions for self-harm. Oh my gosh. Well, it's about flat from 2000 to 2009, 2010. And then it goes almost straight up. What about suicide? Well, it's about flat from, you know, around 2000 to around 2009, 2010. And then it starts going pretty significantly up. Hmm. I don't know. I can't, can't think of why that would be. How about depression between 12 and 17 year olds? Uh, when it comes to teen girls, what you see is a flat line from, you know, the beginning to about 2009, 2010. And then it goes straight up. All teens, it's flat from about 2000 until about 2009, 2010. And then it shoots straight up. Teen boys, it's about flat till about 2009, 2010. And then it goes considerably up. Now, I can't think of what might have happened around 2009, 2010. But in that general vicinity, some might note the introduction into all of our lives of the smartphone where all of us decided unilaterally, just without really talking about it, without really thinking it out, we were just going to carry these things around with us all the time and just be on them all the time. We were going to be on social media all the time. We were going to embrace these things wholeheartedly as if they were the cure to cancer. They are not the cure to cancer. Now we're seeing lawsuits pushing back against these social media companies. They are saying... Hey, you're getting these kids addicted to these things. And they're, uh, you know, they're saying now there's more than 100 cases that have been consolidated to one federal courtroom. And they say services like Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, and YouTube. And are you watch you're watching this on YouTube. What are you doing? 
I mean, I hope you're over on Blaze TV or maybe on Pluto or maybe you're listening on podcasts. If you're on YouTube, you have a problem. No, I mean, look, some of this stuff is okay, right? You can get on. You can check out a show every once in a while. This is not evil if it's actually utilized properly. But again, you're an adult, probably. You're watching this stupid show. It's a show about charts. You're probably not a kid. You're probably an adult. And if you're an adult, you have at least a little bit of control, at least a chance to control your social media intake. Kids can't do that. Think of what it's like. You know, when their friends like a photo, they get excited. When they don't like a photo, they get upset. This is screwing with their heads at levels we can't possibly imagine. Um, They are saying now, basically, these lawsuits are accusing these social media companies of doing things very similar to what uh, smoking uh, companies did, tobacco companies back in the day. You're, you're intentionally trying to addict people with all the bells and whistles they put in these things to alert and excite these response centers in our brains to make us want more social media, more scrolling, endless scrolling till the end of time. Does it make you feel good? I mean, look, I am not a guy who says ban X, Y, and Z from the government. I don't like that approach. I think that's always a last resort. But I will say, They do not make this easy for parents. They do not make it easy for parents to try to control this for their kids. If they have any of these devices, and of course, the best opportunity, the best thing you can do is just hold out for as long as possible until they're out of the house. I'm sorry, I know you're 29 and this is Gen Z and you're supposed to stay here forever, but you can't have a phone yet until you leave. That's the proper approach. If your kids do get a device or a video game system or whatever, limiting this stuff should be freaking easy. These tech companies should be able to say to you, okay, mom and dad, you put this uh, device under your control. You can, I want a page that just says, here are the bunch of numbers. That's their age. I'm going to turn on the 10-year-old restrictions right now. And none of this stuff should be a problem. In fact, you should be able to block all these apps uh, easily. Now, look, I have the screen time thing with my kids, and I make sure, I at least try to make sure, that I am limiting them to basically, I mean, it's almost like all they can get is like Drudge Report type sites. It's just like plain text. I mean, it's the most boring thing in the world when it, because it's under my control. I'm the Kim Jong-un of the tablet. That's me, okay? And I'm fine with that. But, like, it's not easy. I have to have like a full-time tech person to walk me through every time, every one of these steps and subscribe to multiple outside services to try to monitor these things and keep it under control. My kids are younger. I understand that doesn't work as well as, as, as kids get older. They, they want to do more of these things. But like, look, lock it down, man. You know, uh, do as much as you can to keep them off of it because it's nothing but horrible for them. It's just poison to their brains, and there's no reason to have your kids on social media. You know, it's funny is when you look in the fine print of a lot of these social media signups, they won't even let you sign up when you're a kid. They, they will limit it to 14 and above, 16 and above, 18 and above. And the only reason they're doing that, they know, of course, lots of kids are on these services. But the reason they do it is because they're trying to avoid liability. They want to act as if they're targeting adults, even though they're not. And what's odd is we're starting to see a movement a little bit in the opposite direction. Parents are saying, I don't want my kids to have these things anymore because they see people at tech companies that lead tech companies that don't let their kids use them. If they're not going to let their kids use them, why are you letting your kids use them? Here's a situation where now kids, as they grow up and they become young adults, are now choosing, opting for the flip phone. Yes, the return of the flip phone is here. Gen Z is flipping out 
over flip phones. Why? Because they actually want to disconnect. I do believe that they're, you know, I, what I've noticed about social media and how it affects people is when you're bored, when nothing's going on, when there's nothing interesting in your life, flipping through social media kind of just gives you that very low-level buzz. You wipe out the silence with the low-level buzz. And you can extend that low-level buzz as long as you want to by scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. This is not a healthy activity. But when it comes to actually comparing a real-life experience to some you know, drivel on social media, people will choose the real-life experience. But they can't get themselves into those experiences because they're always locked to their phones and not even exploring them anymore. It's good to see a trend like this where 20-somethings, 20, 20 teens are saying, you know what, just give me the flip phone. I can keep in touch with people. I can text, albeit very slowly. I got to press it, you know, the button three times to get to the Y or whatever it is. But that's out there. You can use those things. There's also phones that are designated to try to limit what you're doing. And those things, while they're not the most popular options, are available. And if your kids, God forbid, has to get a phone, look into something that can limit them. Because... Everything I've heard, I, I learn often from uh, parents who are slightly older from, than me, and they are going through my future, right? You look at them, they're dealing with their 15, 16, 17-year-olds, and all they ever tell me, I mean, almost without fail, is, good God, why did I let them get that phone? Why did I let that happen? Why did I let them get on social media? Hold out. Don't let them on for as long as possible. And part of this is just like, you know, can, kids can get annoying when they're on this stuff, and parents don't like it. But the other part is real. You know, depression really is skyrocketing right now, largely because of these things. It's not solely social media's fault. It's not solely technology's fault. There's more to it than that. I think, you know, believing in a higher power has something to do with it. I think just the general dystopian vibe of this culture right now. I think the COVID lockdowns have something to do with it. I mean, all of this stuff plays together. But there's no more clear signal than that 2009-2010 period where all of a sudden we turned our lives over to social media. It's something we really should consider stopping because this road, you know, these charts are accelerating. They're not flattening out. We have no idea what the, north, the northern border of these numbers are. And the more and more we send kids into this oblivion, the worse our results will be. While we're talking about big tech, maybe you should not give them all your personal data. This is just a recommendation. Uh, they're watching every move that you make. And Startmail is a company that said, you know what, maybe we should go a different direction. Maybe we should try to solve these problems. They're looking, they're trying to get to your privacy all the time. Don't let them. Use your, uh, your tools like Startmail to be able to prevent this from happening. They have secure email service. And, of course, this it will you know, keep your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes and protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, it's gone forever. You get unlimited disposable email aliases to keep your real identity hidden online. And with a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider and start taking advantage of Startmail's enhanced privacy protection. If you sign up today, you can save 50% on your first subscription year. There has never been a better time to go to startmail.com slash stew and join the thousands of people who have chosen Startmail for their email security needs. It's Start 
with a T, startmail.com, startmail.com slash stew, startmail.com slash stew. Get 50% off today. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's always great to have Paul Bryan on the program. He's an Emmy Award-winning automotive expert, co-host of His Turn, Her Turn, and all-around great guy. Paul, welcome to the program. Oh, shucks. Howdy. <laughs> Great to see you. Um, good to see you, too. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. related, but uh, good to be with you. Again. Yeah. Um, I wanted to bring you on to discuss something in the auto industry, which is, I think, bigger than the auto industry. It's kind of a, 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 a maybe a point of, of cultural transformation where, you know, you know, the American sports car, the Corvette, they've come out and announced the new model and they're sh- started to showing off for the first time. The first time any Corvette has ever been electrified is what they're calling it. Some people are calling it a hybrid, which is kind of weird when we're talking about this because it's, it's not fuel efficient. It's not, uh, you know, it's not, not a Prius. It's a Corvette. It's really, really fast. What do we know about this new car? Uh, it's called the E-Ray, or that's the terminology for it so far. What they've done is they've taken your basic C8 Corvette with a 655-horsepower engine, and then they've added uh, two electric motors, or, or one electric motor up in the front anyway, uh, adding another 160 horsepower to it. So uh, you, you wind up with a darn fast Corvette, uh, that's kind of a hybrid, for lack of a better term, uh, and it becomes the first all-wheel drive Corvette as well. Now, I don't think that the people in Buffalo, for instance, a couple of weeks ago are, are going to say, gee, I can take my Corvette out and uh, go slogging around in the snow or the ice. But uh, technically, yeah, you could say it's a, an all-wheel drive Corvette. Uh, darn fast. But r- remember, there are a couple of other additions. I, I, you know how my heart beats with burning Mother Nature's joy juice in a car. I, I am not... Uh, I'm not a huge fan of electrics because I like the sound of internal combustion engines rather than a Norelco. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I know that they will have a market for this. I know that I would not be among them, but there are going to be people who will. And God love them. That's that's great. That's what makes America great is the choice. Yeah. It, I mean, and it's an interesting approach because you would still get that sound with this car, right? I mean, this is still got a, it's got the V8 engine in there. Um, yeah. But it feels like it's a it's an intentional uh, choice here to help people like us who really enjoy the internal combustion engine help us transition to the future we're going to get whether we like it or not. Are we, are we in a 12-step program? Yeah. I think we are. Is that what this is? Um, it, it could be. I'm, as I've said before with, with you, I'm not anti-EV. 
I think that there's a place for them. I think that, yeah, we're going to see more and more of them. Uh, however, I have also said we don't have the infrastructure in place for us to go ahead and make that move yet. I think the goals that have been set up arbitrarily uh, and very, very aggressively uh, are not attainable. We don't have the grid to support it. We don't have the infrastructure to support it. Uh, but but even more than that, I don't know that we've got the, the commercial demand, the customer demand yet to support it. Uh, if you take a look at, at last year, uh, there were supposed to be, what, about a million seven uh, Teslas sold. And you wound up selling about a million two. And that's, that's a couple of different factors that are at play there. Uh, one is consumer demand, and the other, of course, was uh, uh, everybody was suffering from the same supply chain problems that they had. So it's a two-step process. Hmm. I, I'm wondering how you see the cultural impact of, of this. You know, I mean, I, it really is, I think, a, you know, when you look at this in history like this, you know, Americans love their cars. Americans love their V8s. American loves, Americans love their Corvettes. And here we are the yeah. first time they're, they're, they're moving away from this. We saw this with Porsche as well as they went to, you know, which is a beautiful car, the Taycan. But, like, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a total change. And, they, you know, they're calling it a turbo even though it's not a turbo. Here, this yeah. is a Corvette that's, you know, I don't know. Is it really a Corvette? Well, I've got uh, a couple of uh, thousand pounds of Zuffenhausen steel in my garage. I, I mean, you know, I think that Porsches have to sound like Porsches, and Porsches make a particular noise that is particularly joyful to the ear of people who enjoy that car. Uh, the the problem is, I think, Stu, is that even with as much indoctrination, with as much of the drum beating that's going on now for the electric vehicle. Uh, you've got a situation where, where we've got 3% of the people who want them. I mean, there's plenty of cars to go out there and, and buy them. And that's the other thing that's going on with Tesla right now, too. You see numbers uh, shrinking in their sales. And it, there's more and more product out there for people to be able to go out and, and purchase. You can go buy a Mustang. You can you can buy you know the, the pick a line. Uh, the the new Kia products and Hyundai products are terrific for that. Uh, the F-150, for instance, won North American Car and Truck of the Year awards, Truck of the Year. And the uh, the other nominee in that category that really stood a chance uh, was also an electric truck. So the, the demand is not there yet. We're still looking at 3% after all of the drum beating, after all of the uh, indoctrination that we've been going through and all of the shaming for burning fossil fuels uh, is going out there. And the public still isn't beating down doors to buy them. There's, there's a market for it, sure. Mm. Yeah, there's still a long way to go. I, I want to ask yeah. you about, about Tesla a little bit because I think like the media wants us to believe that their problems, you know, stock price has gone down quite a bit. Sales are going down. They're cutting prices. They're for the first time like seeing some real competition in their in their market and they're starting to struggle. The media wants to tell us basically that that's because Elon Musk is focused on Twitter and not focused on on Tesla anymore. I, I don't think there's much evidence to that. Is it just a, a situation where market effects are, are telling Tesla like, hey, there's we've got a, a section, a slice of this market that you can fill. 
But if you're going to be one of the big guys, you got a long way to go. Well, the, well, they do. And the the other thing there is that uh, it's it's not all the media. It's not the people that I talk to on a daily basis who are in the automotive media. Uh, it, you have a lot of consumer media, a lot of general media who are out there talking about, uh, you know, this is the direction we're going to go. And they're largely very uninformed about it. Uh, the, the other thing, and I hate to say it because I'm really conflicted about Elon Musk. On one hand, you've got a very interesting guy who I think really is making some interesting moves and positive moves for Twitter. I think that that's going to help and that's still playing out. The The other part of that, though, is that he's got a 12-year-old car out there now. And if uh, I was thinking about it this weekend, I was watching one of the, uh, the auctions of collectible cars. And as soon as a 58 Chevy comes up or as soon as a uh, whatever else comes up, you can instantly identify what those cars are from from style. And you would be able to if you had the same sickness that I have. <laughs> no. OK, these were the engines that were available. It is a sickness, by the way. It's for it. Uh, but you could say, OK, well, that had a 327, that had a uh, 348. This was a 312 cubic inch Thunderbird. It, it, it's a living hell for me. But uh, but nevertheless, you've got 12 years worth of Tesla vehicles that have basically not had any style change. I mean, you could go out and buy one. And someone said, hey, I got a new Tesla. And you say, hey, it looks like mine, too. And it's a 15 or it's a, you know, a 13. So uh, I, th I think the only car that's out there longer in design right now is the Chrysler 300, which I believe was uh, first introduced in the Truman administration. They've, they've been hang hanging on to that style for a long, long time. They really but, have. But but I'll, t I'll tell you how far back that goes. That was from two owners ago for Chrysler Corporation. That was when Daimler owned them. So, yeah, it, you know. It goes back it, a long Elon, way. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, Elon's got to change some style. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. Because, you know, they've been promising this Tesla Roadster for a long time. And, you know, again, it looks like a pretty nice looking car. But it was supposed yeah. to debut in 2020, and they keep giving you, they have these gaudy performance numbers and you know, gaudy price tag to go along with it. But, that, I mean, do we have any news on that? Is there a new model coming out anytime it's, soon? It's, it's parked right next to the uh, Tesla pickup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all because he's no, too it's, conflicted. It's right he's, there he's, in the garage. He's dealing with and, Twitter. And we, all know, we all know how important garages are these days. You know, so they are, they are locked together in a garage <laughs> safely. And... Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love for him to come out with something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm pulling for him on that. And there is yet another factor that comes into this. When I look at a Tesla and Joe Jones from Topeka takes a look at a Tesla, we're looking at different things. I'm looking at build quality. I'm looking at gaps. I'm looking at uh, paint thickness. I'm looking at, and I got to say that I'm, I have never, ever been knocked out by the build quality of the Tesla. And then when you take a look at Jaguar coming, with Audi coming, with Mercedes coming, with with Mustangs, with uh, all, all kinds of cars, these people know how to build cars. They've been doing it a long time. And on those cars, when they ship them, 
the gaps are right, the paint is right, the, the interiors match up, the stitching is even, all of the other stuff that's in there. It's it's the the little stuff that really makes a big, big difference. Hmm. Um, I want to go uh, kind of go the other way. Everyone's going to the electric cars. We're learning about electric, uh, you know, Corvettes and Mustangs and all this stuff that seemed to be, I mean, I, would have been sacrilege not that long ago. On the other side, here in Texas, there's a company making a car that is proudly going entirely the opposite direction. Uh, the Hennessy Venom, Venom uh 1,817 horsepower, Paul. This this thing God is nuts. Him. God bless him. Yes. No, John Hennessy is a pretty interesting character. And, and uh, if if you take a look at this vehicle, it's obviously a supercar. Uh, there's going to be about 100 of them built. Uh, the coupes are all spoken for so far. But, Stu, you can now order a, a convertible if you like, and I know that you are have a propensity to wanting to wait for cars, so this might <laughs> yes, this I might do. Be, uh, it's my right, thing, mm -hmm. right in your wheelhouse. I, I know it's what you do, uh, but there's this other component to it too. You know, you know why this car is here? Because uh, what 10, 12 years ago, whenever it was, Bugatti came out with the Veyron, and and they came out with a car that said we'll go 300 miles per hour in the Bugatti Veyron. And not for long, but they will get to 300 miles per hour. Well, now you can go to a Cars and Coffee and see two or three Veyrons. This guy with a Hennessy, he's going to show up and he's going to be the only one on the block. Guarantee. And and there is a uh, there is a factor there that I, that I don't know what that feels like because I don't have the two and a half or three million dollars to have one of those built. Uh, you know who we would have to talk to for something like that. You know, on right after you, but, uh, <laughs> but nevertheless. This is a great idea. Let's have Glenn buy one and then we yes. can drive it, Paul. Yes. Yes, all right. Like We're gonna so, get this uh, set up for sure. <laughs> you know, but 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 you know what, that, that Hennessy uh, Venom, if you take down all of this stuff, and it's all handmade, and it's impeccably built, and it really, really is nice, uh, down at the very core of its engine is a Chevrolet. Really? So it's, it's all it's, it's all rebuilt, but it's an, it's an LT engine that it starts life as. Mm, it's, it's a fascinating car. It really you is a fascinating car. You know what the best thing of it is? Is when they say it's uh, 300 miles per hour, and, and, and we wondered, what tires do you put on for a car that's going to go 300 miles an hour? Now, I've driven 200 miles per hour. I don't want to find out what the other 100 is like. <laughs> but the but, but thing that I was wondering about was the tire line. And, and I asked the people at a tire company that was supplying it, and, and I said, how long do you guarantee the tires for at 300 miles per hour? And uh, they said, 15 minutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, then they, and, and they quickly added, but that's okay, because it runs out of fuel in 12. 
Oh, it's bad. Don't tell Troops Glenn any of that stuff. we got to get him to buy okay. this thing first. Then we can worry about the tires uh, afterwards. Okay. Uh, Paul Bryan, Emmy Award-winning automotive expert. He's the host of His Turn, Her Turn. And we really appreciate it, Paul. Thanks so much for coming back on the program. Thanks so much. Follow me at, uh, at the Paul Bryan on Twitter, too. Do it. See Elon there. says it's okay. Go ahead and do that. Yes, thanks. yes. Thanks, Paul. Okay, thanks. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Mm, yes, everything in the world is racist. We have some great examples for you today. For example, uh, the LAPD has banned the thin blue line flag. Yes, the police have banned the flag that honors the police. That's where we are. They say uh, the, the uh, chief uh, uh, Michael Moore, I mean, or Michelle Moore. I don't know. I can't, uh, I'm not exactly sure. Yesterday, we received a community complaint of the presence of a blue line flag. The view that it symbolized support for violent extremist views, and such as those represented by the Proud Boys and others. I directed them to have the uh, item taken down from the public lobby. The union uh, representing the police is pissed off about it. They say it's difficult to express the level of utter disgust and disappointment with Chief Moore's politically pandering directive to remove the thin blue line flags and memorials for fallen officers from all public areas within our police stations. Um, and it is, of course, what it is, just absolutely pandering. But like the thin blue line is basically saying, hey, police officers who have fallen, who are protecting us, we respect you, we honor your service. That's all it is. It's not about targeting minorities. It's got nothing to do with that, but they've changed that into something racist. But there's more racism you need to know about. For example, have you ever gone on vacation to Hawaii? You're walking through the lobby of your hotel. What do people say to you? Aloha. How, what do you respond? Aloha. Racist. Yes, aloha is now racist, as is shalom and many other multilingual words we, um, we now, it's amazing, uh, we now live in a multilingual world where we're always influencing one's, uh, one another's language practices, and we might come in contact with a variety of terms or language practices we have not grown up in. So what do you do? Just blurt it out, apparently. You have to think before you speak and make an effort to befriend people from other cultures. Aloha and shalom. Don't do that now. That's bad. That is also racist. But you know what else is racist? No, I'm, sincerely, I'm asking you because I'm reading a story about something that's racist and I don't know what it is. Five locations throughout the U.S. have been renamed to remove a derogatory term for indigenous women. Now, this article goes on to explain everything about this story in great detail with one minor exception, telling us what the word is. Now, I've got a guess at what the word is. Because in some places, they just have 
the S dash word in there. And like we know, the S word is a swear, uh, but the S word doesn't really have anything to do with Native American women that I know of. Uh, I guess it's squaw. I, I, I think there's one time they call it SQ dash. So I guess that's the term you're not supposed to say. But like, it brings up an interesting thing here because like we all know what the N word is, right? We all know that because for a very long time, people said the word in a derogatory sense, then newspapers printed it. I mean, the New York Times prints this word constantly. They printed it a bunch of times, even in recent memory, especially when it, you know, in some way might hurt Republicans. But like, eventually we got to the point where we understood the N word represents this very, very bad word. If you start just doing this to every word before people even know what the words are, how are you going to even know which words not to say? It's, it becomes an impossible thing. Over and over again, we see this in coverage. They try to explain to you that something's racist, and because the word is so racist, they won't tell you what the word is, but since it's a new word that they're just deciding today is racist, you can't decide what is racist. How can you avoid racism if you don't know which words they're assigning to racism today? It's very, very difficult, but the best thing to do is just always remember one simple rule. Everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist is the stream. Well, 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 we live in a weird world and there's a lot going on and not all of it is sane. So I thought we'd bring some of the insanity to you today. A girl, 13 years old, she uh, was riding in, in the car and the odd part about this was she was riding in the, uh, in, the, in the driver's seat, driving the car. Now riding in the car as a passenger was an 11 year old. So a 13-year-old and 11-year-old, they're spotted by police. And usually this doesn't, you're going to do something about this. They decided to go follow her. And she was driving about 35 miles an hour on Interstate 80. They attempted a traffic stop. This did not go well because the kids decided to go for it. They were running for the border. I don't know. They decided to gun it. And uh, they went at a high rate of speed. According to the police, they reached speeds exceeding 100 miles an hour. The teen driver and the 11-year-old boy from Colorado were taken into custody eventually without further incident, prote- uh, placed in protective custody. They found a, a firearm in the car, a small amount of marijuana, and drug paraphernalia. So this is going well. I mean, what a bright future is ahead of these kids. Maybe as a NASCAR driver, you, you might say, there's some future ahead. Three grizzly bears in Montana have tested positive for avian influenza. Now. Look, we all know the economy is having some problems, but if you're taking the job to test bears for avian uh, influenza, I question, you know, maybe it's better to, is there nothing else available? Is this the only job out there? You've got to go chase down and take blood samples from bears? Three grizzly bears have tested positive. They were euthanized due to their sickness and poor condition. I don't know what's going. I am a little concerned about the bear bird sex. If that's happening, stop it, bears. And birds, for that matter, both of you. I don't know what you're doing. You know what could result in that? Flying bears. You want flying bears all over the place? I don't want that, okay? 
Stop screwing around. I, I know you might think, you know, the pelicans are hot or whatever. Just stay away from them. Stay with your own species, okay? I know I'm a traditionalist in this way, but no more interspecies bear bird sex. In fact, I ran for office one time uh, under that uh, banner. Didn't win, but I did stop most of the problem. Five Missouri inmates have escaped. Oops, excuse me. What's that? We're going, yeah. Five Missouri in- inmates. I'm going through these stories. They've escaped from jail through plumbing pipes, authorities say. Now, has anyone seen Shawshank Redemption? Like, it's the. It, it's the only prison movie most people will talk about, right? It's everybody's favorite movie of all time. And it's really the only movie I can think of where people go through the sewage pipes and escape. And watching that scene as many times as I have, I thought to myself, how bad could prison be? Maybe just staying inside is better. You know, crawling through all of that stuff for that long, that does not seem like it's worth it to go, even to the beach. He had a nice beach place at the end. Still doesn't seem worth it to me. Um, so check that out. If you're, uh, if you're in prison right now watching the show, we appreciate it. We always love our prison viewers. So about 80% of our audience are convicted felons, and we do appreciate you tuning in every single day. But, you know, if they haven't closed up the sewer pipe yet, I mean, go for it, because that's going to end soon. I have a feeling eventually they're going to watch Shawshank Redemption and, re- and realize that it's time. It's a way for people to escape. And finally, uh, a thief has stolen a St. Michael's statue from a church. Now, the issue here is as they were trying to escape, they fell. And if you see the picture here of the statue, St. Michael has a very sharp sword. (laughs) Apparently, the guy tried to steal a statue from a church, fell down, and was stabbed by the sword of St. Michael. Now, if you're not taking this as a sign that maybe your life needs to change a little bit, Maybe perhaps this is the time to reconsider your life, to think about another path for your future. I don't know what kind of warning you could, if you haven't been struck by lightning 12 times today, maybe this will do it for you. If stealing statues from church seemed like a good idea beforehand, I might reconsider it because you are probably going to get yourself stabbed. This is just a public service announcement from your friends here at Stu Does America. Make sure to heed my warnings. Just try not to steal things from church. Big NFL weekend coming up. The, of course, America's team, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, will be playing the New York Giants and also the Dallas Cowboys, uh, who are, I believe, still in the NFL. They're playing... Uh, the San Francisco 49ers. This would be a great week, uh, by the way, if you're a Cowboys fan, to bust out your Colin Kaepernick shirt, available at stewdoesmerch.com. It simply has a message of hope and history for anyone who loves Colin Kaepernick and you know loves the 49ers. And it just says a very simple message. It says, always remember, before Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he lost his job to Blaine Gabbert. That's an important thing for people to remember because this happened before he took this stance against the police. This happened before all of that happened. He just was a crappy quarterback and lost his job because he was bad at the sport. So just remember that. Available at StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10. You can save 10% off all the merch. We've got the Nancy Pelosi sucks stuff up there. We've got the Andrew Cuomo is awful. Great stuff for you to load up on as we go into uh, the new year. And, of course, there's the AFC games as well. I mean, really, uh, Bengals, Bills should be great. It's going to be a a really uh, interesting weekend. Chiefs as well this weekend. Have a great one, and we will see you on Monday. Go Birds.